0: Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your convenience. July 30th, 2020. 8 key media industry takeaways from Comcast's Q2 2020 results. With broadband access even more of an essential service in a remote work school world, Comcast Cable Business was unsurprisingly solid. The most noteworthy thing about this quarter's call was what did not get addressed or even asked. There was no question about the threat of Title II regulation coming back if Vice President Joe Biden defeats President Donald Trump in November, even if we remain skeptical that a reclassification will meaningfully alter the broadband story. Beyond that, the most interesting aspects of Comcast Q2 2020 results are what we can extrapolate for the rest of the media sector. Number one, cord cutting and affiliate fees with Comcast, AT&T, and Verizon having reported, the three companies have lost nearly 3 million video subscribers in first half 2020, compared to about 2 million in first half 2019, with Comcast stating that their sub-losses will be similar in Q3 2020 to Q2 2020. The accelerating sub-losses are leading to multi-channel video subs falling at a 6% rate in Q2. That should accelerate to 7 to 8% in Q3, And likely to over 8% by year-end 2020. NBCU's cable networks reported their second straight quarter of negative affiliate fee growth. With sub-losses moving to high single digits, it would appear that virtually every cable network group will have declining affiliate fees going forward unless they have a one-time benefit from new VMVPD distribution agreements as the overall rate increases cannot overwhelm the rate of sub declines caused by cord cutting. Number two, theme parks reopened, but they're losing money. Universal Studios Orlando and Japan reopened in June. Management indicated that both parks are doing better than they had if they had remained closed. Worth remembering that NBCU never furloughed employees at the parks. However, it appears that both parks are still losing money every single day, with relatively meager attendance. Both Universal and Disney set their reopening plans in motion well before it became clear that Florida would become the COVID-19 capital of the world. From what we can tell, attendance is sub-5% of capacity at all major Orlando theme parks and about 7% of daily attendance, well below the capacity ceilings that management set heading into reopening. There is simply no way to make money at these attendance levels. We would not be surprised to see both parks start to reduce days or hours of operation or even close certain parks to consolidate attendance, delay the reopening of hotels or close down certain hotels that are currently open, with large-scale employee layoffs needed to reduce the financial burn rate. Number three, movie disruption will have a major impact on 2021 studio profits. Universal Studios benefited financially from not releasing new movies in Q2 while still receiving profits from prior period films. More importantly, management talked directly about the impact this will have on 2021, as there are no 2020 theatrically released films that will generate profits in 2021 as they work their way through the sequential release windows. In turn, even as Universal's movie slate returns or restarts in summer 2021, the profitability will suffer. It will not even probably rebound financially until 2022. This issue will impact all studios across the industry in 2021 financially. Number four, fall TV slate wishful thinking. While Universal has restarted production of a couple of film projects that were in production pre-pandemic, such as Jurassic World, we were surprised by the commentary that TV production could meaningfully ramp to achieve a full fall slate. We simply do not believe that this is possible in the current COVID environment, with most scripted content likely delayed until late Q4, if not well into 2021. We are also increasingly concerned with the ability for non-bubble sports to play in the fall, most notably college sports. NFL is clearly at risk as well. Note, if college football does not happen, it is a huge issue for ESPN, Fox Sports, and to a lesser degree CBS, but rather immaterial to NBC. It's just Notre Dame football on NBC, which they probably lose money on. Number five, sports costs reversal in second half 2020. Even as advertising suffered in Q2 from the pandemic and the lack of sports content, the absence of sports costs was meaningfully near-term financial positive financially. However, Comcast and Sky made it quite clear that the anticipated heavy load of sports in the back half of the year will be a meaningful drag on results, particularly as the ad market has not recovered to pre-pandemic levels. 6. Movie Release Flexibility After the Watershed Universal AMC announcement enabling P-VOD after just 17 days, previously was 75 days post-theatrical, Universal's management made it clear that it's less about setting a firm 17-day window post-theatrical and far more about having the flexibility to maximize profits on a film-by-film basis. P-VOD launches will happen at a minimum 17 days after the theatrical run begins, However, some films will be exclusive to theaters for far longer than 17 days. Even if theaters reopen on Labor Day for Warner Brothers' tenant, we expect attendance trends to remain weak, very weak, until a vaccine is widely available around the world. In turn, Universal and all the other studios need ways of generating more revenue than what is possible in theaters, especially if they are going to spend real marketing dollars to promote films. With other studios far less keen on PIVOD, we wonder if any will try to force a shorter SVD window, something that Universal is definitely not trying to do. Disney appears committed to releasing Mulan in theaters, but the question is, if they do that, how soon afterwards can they move that film to Disney Plus? While investors continue to believe that Mulan will go straight to Disney Plus, we find that hard to believe as theater owners would not be willing to, to be open for tenants if there were no other films set to open in this fall, not to mention we believe Disney management remains committed to theatrical exhibition. Number seven, Peacock usage. Comcast talked about 10 million signups for Peacock, but we are not really sure what to do with that metric as Peacock has three tiers of service. Peacock free, Peacock premium, and Peacock premium ad free. Peacock free requires you to sign up but similar to Pluto and Tubi, it has no cost and no credit card is even needed. While Peacock Premium is free to the 19 million plus Comcast video subscribers and Cox's 3 million video subs, in addition to Comcast broadband only subs with a Flexbox. In turn, it is hard to get excited about the 10 million signups with no clarity on what tier they signed up for and why the conversion of Comcast subs was not far higher as it launched to X1 flex subs back in April. Leaving the Peacock sub numbers aside, the most interesting part of the Peacock commentary was that visits per day and time spent per user were meaningfully higher than management expected. Between the breadth depth of the content on Peacock, an easy to use inter- user interface, and limited ad load without repetition, it is just another yet another driver of consumer shifting from linear TV to internet TV, which ties back to the continued acceleration in cord cutting highlighted in point one. Number eight, While Comcast, will Comcast take Flex out of footprint? With Peacock still not available on Roku or Fire TV devices, we keep wondering if Comcast will try to drive distribution of Flex boxes out of footprint, something they have never appeared interested in before. Comcast talked about launching Flex on Hulu and the coming launches of CBS All Access and HBO Max on X1 Flex. Note it remains unclear why it takes so long to launch apps on X1 and Flex boxes versus other TVOS platforms. As Comcast Video Business moves from a bundle of channels to simply providing access to apps, we cannot understand why they remain so committed to in-footprint, in-footprint for X1 and Flex, especially when they could use some negotiating leverage against Roku and Fire TV.